Welcome to Human Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lillianwall. On this podcast, I invite you to have the uncomfortable conversations with me, to stand in your power and explore the depths of your truth, no matter how difficult or taboo it may be. I'm showing up exactly as I am, and I'm empowering you to do the same. Let's dive in. and welcome back to another episode of Human Becoming Podcast. I am here with one of the most magical women I have ever had the pleasure of meeting, Mariani, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and we're going to just dive into some of the really incredible magic and work that she's doing in this world right now. Oh, sweetie, I love you so much. <laughs> Good morning or afternoon or wherever, whatever part of the world you're listening listening at. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, like Anna said, my name is Mary Ani. I am an intuitive relationship coach. And essentially what I do with men and women is we tap into what could be potentially the roadblocks, cock blocks situations. <laughs> yeah are stopping us from, you know, manifesting and embodying what it is that our dream relationship looks like. There's so much that we can energetically unpack and make safe that this is the the magic of saying, okay, I want that dream relationship. How do I become it myself first? I love that so much. And I think it's so important because that was really like a huge shift for me in my life in looking at my patterns and looking at my relationships and really looking at like, you know, asking myself, why am I revisiting the same lesson? Why am I like almost dating the same person with, you know, um, you know, or just like similar energy, similar patterns, similar things, just like continuously finding myself in that place. And, um, really that shift was so important in asking myself, you know, how can I become an energetic match for what I'm trying to call in? Because if I'm trying to call in this beautiful, magical, healthy relationship, but I'm not doing that work to be, you know, an equal, um, again, like, an, uh, and I think there's like an equal, right? Like, cause I can't yes. put somebody in like that. If I am, you know, if I'm really dealing with a lot of unhealed things within myself. Absolutely. 100%. And it's so funny because I was having the exact same conversation with one of my clients whose daughter, her beautiful adoptive 16 year old daughter is going through so much. And for, for those ladies who are out there listening, you might remember what it was like to be 16 years old and not know a darn thing, but think you know it all at the same time. She was telling her mom how she was so excited that she might potentially be ready to have sex for the first time. And it's like, oh my gosh, cool. Okay, great. Go for it. But yet she refuses to tap into her own body as her mom was telling her. It's like, look, there's so much that you should know about yourself before you go down this road. And I'll never forget this. When she said that her daughter said this, I was like, oh, this is us. Whether you're 16 to 66, it doesn't matter. This is so much. She said that her daughter said, well, he just better know what he's doing. (laughs) I don't. And I want someone else to make me feel good. And I'm like, oh, dang it. This is, this is how it starts. And of course it's different from when it comes from your mom, you know, where half the time we're not even taught, you know, the, the energetics of lovemaking or the energetics of connecting to a, a partner, whether it's male or female. And half of the time we're just doing it out of curiosity. 
You know, this is, ooh, this is the great forbidden. My family was very open about sex, but not about intimacy. Mm. And that tends to gum up the works when we don't talk about what it is that we're looking to do, what it is we're looking to connect. And so this beautiful young 16-year-old was so excited about someone else making her feel good. And we tend to do that in our relationships. It's like, I'm not happy with where I am, but someone else might be, you know, someone that I could calibrate to. And we do that so many times, whether it's, I want to calibrate to the energetics behind their drive, the energetics behind their uh, education, the energetics behind, you know, how they are with other people and gaining friends and all these different things. But we, we don't realize that we become the energetic first. It radiates outward. And it is so darn cool when it does. And you're just having this like, oh, moment. And it it was so exciting when uh, we were talking and I was sharing with her how she could do this with her daughter. And she's like, I had no, she, the mom had no idea that that was even a possibility. She's like, I got embarrassed. (laughs) It's like, you don't share with your kids, especially when they're going from, maiden into mother energy because you got the maiden the mother the crone energy and as you know Anna all this energy is very cyclical in nature it's not just from the time of zero to 18 18 to 30 30 to 60 it's never like that we constantly go through these cyclical motions of energy with maiden mother crone and we get to have fun in each and every one when we're diving in deep with what's been your experience with this? Yeah. You know, my eyes are actually watering because I've been, um, and I'll, I'll be, I'm very open. So I'll just dive into something personal that I'm moving through. So, um, uh, about a year ago, I went through a really intense breakup, um, with a man who had two children and mm. that, um, there was a lot of betrayal. There was a lot of things, a lot of life lessons, like definitely went into, um, into the underground or like into the underworld, underground underworld with, um, (laughs) with that, uh, relationship within myself, um, like facing a lot of things. And that's a whole other conversation that might be relevant at some point, but, um, Mm -hmm. being around his kids initiated me very much into that mother archetype. Um, and they weren't mine. Um, you know, they were, they were his and like, we, the kids and I had this incredible, incredible bond. And Mm -hmm. this week, this week being the the one year of everything kind of falling apart. Um, and I, and I want to actually take that back. It's like falling apart, but falling into place at the same time. Um, it's, it's also synchronistic and, you know, perfect in, in timing and everything. Um, but there's still, there's still this grief that I move through, um, in regards to not losing one person, but losing three and more. So like (laughs) had a lot more grief around the, the kids and the relationship there and really taking a look at how, um, saying yes to this relationship at, you know, I was 26 when we got together and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it initiated me into this role and, you know, it like activated these, primal parts Mm -hmm. of me like it was like energetic it was primal it was emotional it was spiritual it was like everything um into a very mother archetype and um and to have to grieve that um was a like it was this depth of grief I didn't 
I've never experienced that kind of grief before. And what was really interesting, and I love, I mean, of course, the universe works this way, is I had a, uh, I had a dream last night about them and about them mm-hmm. coming to me and telling, like, thanking me and telling me how much, you know, I made an impact total. My eyes are watering. Um, my eyes are watering, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I had this dream where they thanked me, and there's been some things that have come up that have just... Um, you know, made me worry about them a little bit. There's some like instincts that I, I feel like I'm still tap into them. So I'm like, I hope they're okay. So I've been sending them a lot of love, sending them a lot of prayers, of course, like having mm-hmm. to make sure that I, I hold myself to like what a, yes. um, you know, a boundary, right. Because of course mm-hmm. there's more of me that's like, oh, I want to like reach out, but it's not appropriate. And, you know, so, you know, I've been, um, moving through that, like via my higher self, via my guides, you know, via my higher power. Um, and, you know, sitting down with my, my love now and like told him, you know, he was Mm -hmm. like, what's going on with you? You're like a little off this morning. And I told him I had this dream about them. And he was like, you know, you did step into a mother role there. And like, you need to honor that that's going to be something that you're going to carry with you for some time. So yeah, like, I love that you said, you know, it's not just from, you know, certain age to, you know, it's not like just like this age range, Mm -hmm. we get initiated into these different archetypes, depending on where we are and where we're around, because now I'm very much in this, um, I feel like I've been in like a a crone energy, but then I'm also in this like maiden where I'm in this like newer love and there's just this like newness to it. So it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, we, we shift back and forth as needed. Yes. So much. Yes. And I love what you said because there are the, the triggers, the attachments that we have. And for those who are interested in some great reading, Attached by Amir Le- Dr. Amir Levine and Dr. Rachel Heller has been one of my most favorite books when it comes to attachment uh, techniques to trauma and so on. So when we get attached in a relationship, whether it's familiar, whether it is uh, parental, whether it's friendship, sister wound, all these different things, there does come a grieving process when we energetically detach from that relationship. And like you said, you experience the loss of not one, not two, but three energetic souls who were connected to you in such a profound way that it shaped you and it shifted you to where mm-hmm. the Anna that you are before them no longer exists. And we try, so many people come up to me and say, I just want to go back to what I, I felt before. And I'm like, that person no longer exists. Mm-hmm. That person has been changed forever and always. And while we can heal the trauma, while we can address the stress, while we can energetically detach and cut cords and all these things, giving yourself permission to mourn, to really, really mourn the loss is where we start to heal. And sometimes that mourning process does not go through like the seven stages of grief. You know, it's like, yes, this is the technical stuff. And I have clients who are doctors and they just tell me, I know this, I know this. I'm like, yeah, but until you feel it, you don't know some, something like 10 years down the road might remind you of a song or, or a phrase or a smell or a touch of something. My grandmother died like in November many, many moons ago. And there will be times where she was such a, a, like a super lotto scratcher person that she would just scratch lotto tickets. So every time I go into a 7-Eleven, I am screwed because (laughs) I see them and it's a visual representation. It's a physical representation and we honor it. We say to the heavens and to the earth and to mother earth, father sky, all these energies. That's like, I see you, I hear you. 
and I feel you. And you're reminding me that it's okay to, to feel that loss. And I love that you say that, that the, the grieving process is important because it's, it's grieving, you know, like you said, like wanting to go back to who you were at some point, kind of wanting to erase it and like almost wanting to forget, which is so, um, I think like human of us when it, when it comes to loss and when it comes to heartbreak and all of those things, because it's so easy to be like, Oh, it was all for nothing. And, And I, and I think that that's something that I've really come to honor in my process, at least is, you know, I've gotten my heart broken a lot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm a Pisces moon, hopeless, romantic, mushy, mushy woman. And like <laughs> very affectionate and, um, you know, just deep, deep feeler. And mm-hmm. I've gotten my heart broken a lot. And I've been so trusting throughout my life, not just in like romance, but just in life. Right. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of, part of my life lesson is to like um, be someone who like gets hurt and then still keeps my heart open and can, and I don't know any other way. Right. But yeah, it's so human to like, go back and be like, Oh, like, I wish I didn't go through that. And it was so challenging. And, um, but I, I've really come to find such a sacredness in the process. And the process isn't like you said, like a couple, you know, a one, two, three, four step. Of, um, and then you're good and go. And, and I think we've gotten really attached to that in yes. like a, you know, a, um, instant gratification, like just tell me what I need to do and it'll be perfect. And I can just avoid the, the whole feelings thing. And, For and sure, I think that we've shifted in many, many different ways, but we've shifted Mm -hmm. paradigms and it's, we are in this place of like, we are going to feel our way through things. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, I think we've really, we're, we're being invited to drop from, from head to heart and to really, Mm -hmm. just to really feel our way through things. And, um, you know, so I've gotten to this place where, yeah, like now when I move through those things, I'm like, thank you so much for this grief. Like, thank you so much for the ability to love in this way. Like, thank you so much for showing me that I have it in me to be, um, it, the, like to, to step into the mother archetype in the way that I always hoped I could. And, you know, thank you for showing me that this is possible for me because, mm-hmm you know, I've had mother wounds, I've had fear around being mother, you know, so it's, just, <laughs> so, it's so interesting. Um, you know, the invitations that we have in every situation, and, and there's so many invitations in the really dark, heavy, painful ones. Yes, 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 yes. And I love how you brought that up about the mother wound, because some of the most interesting people have like, the most traumatic mother wounds that I have ever met. I mean, being that I was, uh, I have a huge mother wound myself that took me many, many moons to allow it to simply be, as opposed to saying, what did I do wrong? What, what was I not enough of? How is it that my soul came down to earth and wanted to experience this? I was like, this sucks. What, what kind of masochist are you? But no, it's, it's something that we go through. It's not something that we're energetically attracting. You know, there there are times when we land on this beautiful earthly plane from wherever you, if you're saying you're a starseed, angelic, you know, all these amazing possibilities. We've come from thousands and thousands of years of wanting to have a human experience. And part of that human experience, even the part that we don't like, is to feel into the love, the joy, the grief, the sorrow. And it's through these experiences that are awful that we get to enjoy what we want to 
manifest into our lives even more. And again, I'm going to share my mother wound. My mother had my biological mom had me when she was 19 years old. She did not tell anyone she was pregnant. I don't even know how you hide a pregnancy and maybe denial is not just a river in Egypt, but my grandma didn't know. And so I was, they found out about me on the day I was born. So you can only imagine what was going through her mind of what she was going to do. Bless her heart. My grandmother was my saving grace. And she said, no, this person is now a member of our family and we have to take care of her. And so my first bed was a box and they put like a blanket and they did all the things. And so it took years of trying to understand where she was in that headspace that I just couldn't, I couldn't go into that and being able to forgive was huge because there was a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of judgment. And when foster care got involved when I was 15 and I was removed from that location, it gave me a chance to reflect really deep down, reflect on the mother wound, the sister wound, the energetic wound. How can we grow from this wound? What do we want to create and emulate? To this day, I had to release and bless because there was no way to continue toxic relationship with this individual. And that's okay. There will be those cords that you get to detach from. And when I say release and bless, you're not excusing the situation for what it was, whether there was abuse, mental abuse, verbal abuse, anything like that. You are blessing because you have no more space in your energetic body to hold on to the rancor, the, um, I don't know how you say it in, in English, but um, it's this deep, deep, like, I'm pissed off at the world and everyone's going to know it. You, When people say there's no such thing as energy, I'm like, walk into a store where a couple is having a fight and you will feel that energy. Mm-hmm. What happens is when we bless it, we're not saying, I forgive it. We're saying that I release you back to the universe because I need to make room and space for what I want. And I love you. I can say to to my to my biological mom, I love you. Th- thank you so much for giving me this beautiful gift of life. If that was the one thing that you gave me in my life that is the positive, I thank you for it. I bless you for it. I release all pissed off city <laughs> to you because I need to give it more. I decided from that mother wound that I will myself never be a physical mother, but I will be an energetic mother. And when that happens. Oh, you're tapping into something so profound that you can share with the world. And that's the biggest thing. When you're tapping into your relationships, tapping into a wound is a good thing because you can tap in and be like, where does this need to be healed? I love, I love that so much. And I'm so, um, I'm so honored that you shared that. And I know that the, the mother wound, everybody carries some some kind of mother wound, some kind of father wound, the sister wound, the brother wound, right? Like it's, even if you didn't experience in your household, you experience Mm -hmm. in society. You know, if you, you know, if you look at movies, there's Mm -hmm. some of those wounds portrayed in every story and, you know, in every, every book, every movie, right? Like there's something, Mm -hmm. it's there. And so it's, it's, even if people are not fully conscious of it, like. (laughs) Darn Disney and Dumbo, man. I couldn't hear baby mine for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That I still, I was looking through Disney plus the other day and um, cause I wanted to watch like a documentary and I saw Dumbo and I was like, Nope. (laughs) Uh 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, my, my mother wound is, um, is interesting because now being who I am and where I am in life, I can see that my mom was um, really at, at war with her own mother wounds. And like with her, mm-hmm. mom, like there was a lot of um, disapproval. My grandmother was very, very religious and she didn't, uh, she didn't love that my mom wasn't raising us the way that she thought that we should be raised. My mom has been someone who I think because of the way she grew up was like, I want you to explore. And like, I think she, it was interesting. She was like trying to break those patterns and like she was, but at the same time dealing with like the inner triggers of like, am I doing the right thing? Should I not? Should I like pull back? Like that kind of thing. And so like incongruency, but like, you know, her really trying to uh, give me the space to be me. And so, you know, at a young age, me being like, I want to dye my hair red and her being like, okay. Like, you know, like and, and, you know, me being like, I want, you know, more piercings on my ear, you know, and her being like, okay, you know, like, and not everything. I mean, I definitely had rules and there was like strict in other ways, of course, but like in terms of self-expression, my mom really wanted to like honor that. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, it would come out like that inner critic to like her mother wound would come out and it would kind of be like here, like, um, go, yes, go ahead and like do this. I give you like the, the space to be you. And then at the same time, criticism would seek in. And so it'd kind of be like this confusing mixed message. And so for me, there was like a lot of, you know, am I really safe to be me? Um, you know, can, is somebody going to be like, yes, you know, I accept you and then I'm fully me and then they're going to have judgments. And so it was like a lot of things that I had to like move through, which of course show up in business, of course, show up in relationships, (laughs) you know? And so I, I actually thought of you and I thought of this conversation yesterday because, um, my boyfriend and I, we, we have incredible communication and Mm -hmm. we talk, we often talk a lot about how much work we had to do within ourselves Mm. to, um, to be here and to be in this very aligned, incredible relationship. And one of the things that we navigate a lot, um, Mm -hmm is the fact that we come from different backgrounds. He comes from a very religious family. Um, mm. from, he, he was a pastor's son. Um, you know, yes. Yeah, he comes from a very different background than me. And mm-hmm. I like, I embrace my witchiness. I'm very spiritual. I'm a channel. I, you know, I'm, I'm uh, a, a lot of things that um, would not be <laughs> accepted in that space. And so mm-hmm. um we have this like really incredible bond around the fact that we're like, well, you know, when we can get through all of like the things that are on the, on the surface, Mm -hmm. we're actually like not so different. We've got these like same values and all of this stuff. And I was telling him like, I'm going to have this conversation tomorrow all about relationship communication. And like, you know, it just like, I had this aha moment of, when you do the work for yourself and you really work on pausing, being like being mindful of your own triggers, being mindful, you know, because I trigger him with mm-hmm. beliefs, right? Like oh, in, yeah. in his old programming and he'll say, mm-hmm. or his programming, you know, he'll say, um, yeah, this triggers me a little bit, but I recognize that as my own programming. And that's something yeah. that, I, that I need to bring awareness to. That's something that I need to work on. And there's nothing that I need to like change or convince you of or mm-hmm. convert you <laughs> like, yep. you know? And so, and I have that same mentality and I think that, you know, that's just our example of our relationship, but I know that this is also probably a big part of the work that you do with yes. other people, of, of loving people and 
I think there's like a sovereignty that comes into relationships mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't remember because mm-hmm. you know, when people get together, they just all of a sudden get so entwined that there's no autonomy. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we can for that there's like a difference between like, or there's a line between autonomy and like intimacy, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much sense. Yes. And I love how you brought it up. Anna and I are laughing because we both are kind of in the similar situation. My fiance is very religious, brought up Catholic, and I am very spiritual, witchy, woo woo, all those things. And so he's like, well, every member of the family needed one. So now you've, you've been, you've been brought in. <laughs> it's hilarious. But we, we, we share some parallels, Anna. And so what ended up happening is that I want to touch back on it because you brought it up so beautifully. We have generational trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. from Anna's mama to her grandmother. We have these generational things that have happened to our past, whether you believe in past life or womb or uh, present life. There's so much that happens. So let's just focus on the 3D, on the generational that we see from our grandmother. The grandmothers have this energy of things that have happened to them. Mine came from Argentina, fled the country during a time when the country was going crazy and you couldn't trust anyone. So there was a lot of generational trauma regarding trust of being yourself. I remember growing up as a little girl and being told, don't let anyone know that you're Spanish because they will look down on you. And I can pass off for white because I'm very light-skinned Caucasian. And half the time, my neighbors who are darker-skinned and speak full-on Spanish Spanish are just like, wait, what? (laughs) How is it possible? But the generational trauma of hiding who you were came down from from her to her daughters and then on to me. And it wasn't meant with malicious intent. It was meant from fear. And that's what ends up happening a lot in our relationships. So you have the relationship trauma from family and you have your attachments that you yourself form growing up. And then what happens, you meet someone and then you're like, wait, I, I want to, to, to immerse myself in this relationship. I want to bring all the high vibe energy and you get triggered. Ah, I'm triggered right now. And here's the great big shocker of all shockers you're going to be triggered and your partner is going to be triggered. You are triggered. You are triggering. The only way to not be triggering is to stop breathing and stop living. Well, who wants to be dead right now? No, on the 3d plane, I would like to live my life fully and express fully and with all the love and space in the world, but still hold on to the values. Now you can grow up in a secure environment and let's just say for argument's sake, your secure environment is where you grow up with a mom and dad, uh, siblings, and a dog, all right? And everything's hunky-dory, normal family stuff. But then you grow up and you're like, well, wait, I have a secure upbringing, but in my relationships, I'm triggered and I'm anxious or I'm triggered and I'm avoidant. There's so many different types of things that you grow up with. So you can have people side by side that grow up the exact same way. But one person, when they reach into that different energy, goes to the right. And then another person goes to the left. Mm -hmm. Is this good or bad? There is no such thing as good or bad when it comes to your energy and how you react. Short of killing someone, you know, (laughs) it's like, let's, let's not cause intentional harm to someone. But 
you can, of course, tap into this energy of how you're reacting when you are triggered. Now, a lot of people think that when you're triggered, you have to shut it down. All right. You have you're going to say something really, really effed up and something bad is going to happen. And then the whole relationship goes to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. All right. That's that's an extreme. And we are triggered by that trauma because we might have seen that happen where someone expressed themselves growing up and all of a sudden the home environment went kablooey and we have to, we want, we want to escape that. So before it was the fight or flight mechanism of either fighting our way free or fleeing our way free. Now we're attaching also the freeze component, which a lot of people are in where we freeze in the moment. And by freeze, I mean, we get stuck in the emotion. We get stuck in saying, I don't know which way to go. Do I say something? Do I not say something? And you might be sitting in your car, talking it out over and over. Well, if I said this, then they would say that. And if they said this, then I would say that. And then it goes on and on. And you can talk yourself in and out of a situation so many times that you give yourself energetic whiplash. Yeah. And it just, it does not stop this freeze component. So instead of getting into the freeze, we honor the emotions that are coming up. We honor the attachment to our trauma. And when we're, when we're figuring out what we are, we're avoidant. I'm an avoidant attachment to trauma, which means that when something triggers me, an avoidant, the worst thing to do for an avoidant is coming up and saying, talk to me, 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 talk to me. That makes the avoidant attachment to trauma run for the hills and say no. So what I have learned to do for an avoidant attachment to trauma is to honor the fact that you might need to flee in this exact moment, but your partner needs some reassurance that you're not going to flee and never come back. So you can say, I need to tap into my emotional intelligence right now and give myself permission to detach from my emotional response mechanism so I can come back emotionally intelligent to handle this situation. It might be a process that you get to go through and be like, well, wait, I'm I'm not ready to emotionally detach, but going for a walk, grounding yourself in nature, going for a swim, taking a moment to listen to music. This is how we detach from an immediate emotional response. So we can approach something as opposed to reactive into like, okay, what needs to be addressed? What's the stress of the situation? Especially when you're triggered, when you're triggered, you're not going to come approaching something from emotional intelligence. You're going to approach it from what does not feel good and how can I avoid it? 100%. If you're anxious, an anxious attachment to trauma does not respond the same way. An anxious attachment needs safety in the body. And so when you're trying to create safety for someone who is overly anxious about something, and I'm not just talking about everyday daily anxieties, but anxious attachment needs safety. They need to know that you're not going to abandon them as they were abandoned emotionally, physically, or so on. They need a safe place to be like, I'm here for you. I hear you, but right now I have to honor myself at the same time. So please know that while I'm taking a walk, I will be back in 30 minutes. I'll be back in 40 minutes. I will be back in a certain time frame. And you can honor both the attachment styles. And you can honor the fact that you need a break, they need a break, and you can come back and say, okay, here's how I handle the situation. Here's how I can tap in more to emotional desire energy emotional intelligence 
and more emotional manifestation of what it is that I really, really want to create with my partner as opposed to against them when I'm triggered. The trigger goal is to collapse the time. So we've been responding to triggers from decades. From decades, you might go from to years. From years, you can shift the response to months. From months, you can shift the response to days. From days to uh, to hours. From hours to seconds. It can literally be that quick when we honor the energy, give it permission to express, and then shift and go from there. It, it is huge when we no longer have to bottle it up or fear it or worry that this isn't going, this is going to, you know, destroy a situation. Sometimes we get to shift that energetic force behind it because of our generational trauma, because of our own past trauma, because of our own attachment to the triggers. And when we do that, when we give ourselves permission to expand in this way, what can compare? Yeah. Um, I mean, every single word I was just saying here, like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And, and it's, it's so interesting because, um, and this is a lot of the work that I do with clients as well, not specifically around relationships, although of course it comes up, but really like there's such a, um, an alchemy that happens when you mm-hmm. just honor what is there and not fight it, not shame it, not judge it, not try to avoid it, not try to numb it, not try to like fix it. Right. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's just there. And, um, for me, that that space where you were talking about, you know, like I just need to, um, I need like a moment, right? Like I, I call it the pause with my with my client. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's something triggering around their relationship or it's you know other fears that are coming up or it's just something, you know, just some kind of trigger. And I really like to think of triggers as activations. I think there's such an opportunity to like move through something and um, mm-hmm. learn something about yourself and learn something about other yes. that that pause has been, and when I say a lifesaver, I am not <laughs> lying. Like it is it mm-hmm. has my life because I struggled with very severe anxiety, a lot of trauma. There was a lot of different things that came up for me and that pause in giving myself permission to not respond to something, not mm-hmm. react to something, not have to make a decision right away. Um, not have to engage in something, uh, was really, really powerful for me because it gave me that permission to to stop and say like okay what is happening right now okay I'm triggered why am I triggered what am I feeling right now and it gave me a permission mm-hmm. to just do that arrow down where I'm like okay is this you know am I really bothered that my partner left the toilet seat up <laughs> you know <it's> just- <laughs> You know, like, uh, am I really bothered that? Or, you know, is there something more at play? Or did I wake up feeling a certain way today? Um, You know, is this around my expectations of how my partner should be? Am I projecting, you know, expectations onto my partner? Um, You know, there's just so much to inquire there. And, you know, I love what I love about it is that a lot of times I find that when it's all, when it's, when it has a lot to do with my own triggers. Mm -hmm there's not a whole lot of like, like fighting kind of stops in a way, not like you never fight with a partner. Right. But just like, a, yeah. like it, it just ends up coming to this place of like, I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to explain to you kind of what my process was. Mm-hmm. And of course, like it's your partner's opportunity <laughs> to mm-hmm. you know be in a place of receiving and like holding space for you. But yes, you know, able to say like, you know what, like, I know I maybe had like a little bit of an attitude or I got a little triggered by this, but 
like this is actually what was going on for me. And I think Mm -hmm. that creates such a, like a stronger connection because then you can Mm -hmm. open up, open up about vulnerabilities rather than, you know, I think a lot of people end up staying on the surface and they're just fighting about all these things and not getting to the, the roots. Yeah. They're not getting into like the roots of the things. And, um, yeah, I just think it's so beautiful because as we were sitting there talking, I'm like, you know, and I know that you and I have like been doing a lot of our work on our own, you know, mm-hmm. for so long, but this stuff, like, I remember when, when this work fell into my lap, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just a completely different way of, of operating. And I can look back now and it's like, I mean, I totally love and honor my past self, but I look back at some of the ways that I, you know, the ways that my triggers manifested in relationships yeah. and some of the things that I said and the things that I did that I'm like, well, it's a little cringeworthy, you know, because <laughs> there are like humans out there that have like a very specific, you know, uh, memory or memories or like perception of, of me. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And like, you know, but that, that also gets to be sacred too. You know, I get to honor yeah. like angsty, triggered, um, beautiful person that I was at that time, you know, I was just hurt and result, um, you know, there was just a lot. And I think that when you, when you start to give space to your emotions, there's also this, like, in, like it's an invitation, but I think also sometimes it kind of happens organically where you just really start to have love and compassion for mm. the versions of you that didn't know better. Yes. You know, like, oh. I, I look back and again, I'm like, you know, yes, there's a little cringeworthy things where I'm like, oh, I really said that, or, oh, I really did that, or, oh, I acted out. Like there was my inner child, my inner little girl who lashed out, you know, but I'm like, at the same time, like, of course she did. Yeah. She was hurt. She was scared. She didn't know herself, you know, and there were layers of other things I was dealing with as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, bringing it back to that mother wound and that grandmother wound, it's, you know, it's, it really does impact the way that we show up for each other in our, like in all relationships. And, you know, we, you touched on the sisterhood wound. That's something that I think, um, we as women normalize. It's something that, you know, it's just, it's, it's in the generational, the like in our lineage, like our, uh, lessons of our lineage and (laughs) it's in books, it's in, everything (laughs) oh yeah um it's so funny you should mention that because there's so many people who go through the sister wound and they think okay uh because again we're talking about relationships but there's so many different types of relationships and so when we're talking when anna mentioned beautifully the the sister wound you know we go into like oh high school Bitches can't be trusted. You know, it's like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't share this. Don't share that. Or you go into the opposite thing and you overshare. And then you're in like, I want to avoid, you know, someone saying that they don't accept me. So I'm going to emotionally vomit everything that's wrong with me and all the emotional triggers. And if you accept me, then great. And if you don't, then you're a judgy person. It's like, here's the thing. Sister wounds. We have them. We honor them. We respect them. But just because we don't want to enforce it, reinforce it, or continue on with generational trauma doesn't mean that you've earned more than getting to know me 
at first. It's kind of like buying someone a cup of coffee or buying them a first drink. And you get to know, you get to go through the ever so beautiful, you know, connection with someone and know that it is not a rejection, but you're getting to know the space. So when people come up to me and say, I want to date or I want to have more friends or I want to do this, I'm like, give yourself permission to drop little bits of energy at a time. You can come high vibe super high vibe and low investment because your energy is sacred and who you share it with is even more sacred. So surround yourself by your mentors, people that you absolutely love their energy and their field and all these beautiful things. And it will come to you. You will start to heal the process, but you don't have to emotionally vomit everything in order to be accepted. You can retain a little bit of that magic within you and slowly drop it in and see how that works. And then it's kind of like dipping your toe in the, in the water. You know, it's like, if you're anything like me and you love the ocean, sometimes I just need to run right in. And other times I need to walk along the shore. It's okay. You don't have anything wrong with being a little more trepidatious when it comes to the sister wound, giving yourself that time with that trauma is huge to slowly build up that trust. And there might be times when it goes great. There might be times when it goes wrong and that's okay. It doesn't mean anything about you saying that you don't have the ability to have relationships with women. Women are amazing, magical creatures. And guess what? Sometimes they rub you the wrong way and that's okay too. There are so many amazing women that I have said, you're great. And for whatever reason in my life at the time, you were fantastic, but we've shifted. Our energies have shifted and I release you. I bless you. I want good things for you. And you move on and you honor the fact that at that time it came to you for a specific reason. And then you can move forward. That's the biggest thing. We don't have to hold on to, oh my God, we're no longer friends anymore. What did I do wrong? You did nothing wrong. You might just need to, you're, you're constantly evolving and who you are evolving into is magic on legs. And the magic on legs continues to shift. The baby magic, the medium magic, the uh, emotional magic, it's all a different level of mastery. And you're going to meet people who are going to enrich you, encourage you, up-level you. And at times you get to release and bless those people that are not going in the same trajectory. My mom always told me, um, and like, I mean, I guess, you know, looking back now, definitely some of the things regarding sisterhood wound from like a young age, um, you know, just, you know, um, cattiness, whatever. But I remember like, you know, again, being a deep feeling Pisces moon woman, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, being really upset and being like, well, why don't they want to be my friend anymore? And my mom used to say, and she would say this about everybody, but like, I remember her specifically saying this to me in middle school after I had a falling out with, you know, my BFF for life. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and she said, some people come into your life, uh, to be here for a short time. And some people come into your life for, you know, a longer time. And mm-hmm like it's all perfect. And, um, you know, it's, it's so interesting with the sisterhood wound. And I love that you said that because I think that that's, that's part of the sisterhood wound that a lot of people miss is Mm -hmm. that, you know, healing the sisterhood wound doesn't necessarily mean, you know, holding onto relationships, uh, with other women that Mm -hmm. don't serve you, um, because you don't want to contribute to it. Like, it's okay to check in with yourself and realize that, you're not an energetic match for someone, maybe mm-hmm. it's going down a path that you you can't follow. I, de- I know throughout 2020, I definitely had to shift Ooh. 
I had to shift a bit with some women who I was really, really close with and not because I don't love them and honor them and respect them, but because I needed to protect my own space and where I was going and where I was feeling called to go. And the other part of the sisterhood one that I think is important as well, that a lot of people, um, or that a, a lot of us miss. And I know it was something that I, I had to like, I had to chew a few times before I swallowed it. <laughs> Say that is is the is the aspect of like where we've contributed to the sisterhood wound, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I and I I did a podcast um, episode with a girlfriend of mine a couple months ago around this, but you know, her and I, a big part of it was like us speaking to um, where we've been out of integrity, mm-hmm. where we have said, you know, hor- like horrible things or unkind things about other women, where we have betrayed trust, where we have, you know, been inappropriate, um, in, you know, infiltrated somebody's relationship and, you know, different, different things like that. And I think that it's really important that, you know, it's, it's not just coming from a place of like, oh, I need to work on forgiving other people and like working around the trust for other people. It's also working through the mistrust in self because a lot of my sisterhood wounds, a lot of the mistrust that I had wasn't just because I've been on the receiving end of, um, you know, betrayal or whatever, you know, it's also because I've been the person betraying somebody, someone who wasn't fully integrity. And, and I know that that's, I feel like there's a lot of women who, I know that there's a lot of women that that and want to jump into judgment. And I think it's really important. And like, that's okay. If that, if, if there is judgment for me admitting that that's okay, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, for me, I've worked really, really hard for probably about five, six years now to bring awareness to this and to, mm-hmm. um, do a lot of forgiveness to myself, to make amends to mm-hmm. those I've, I've, um, disrespected or dishonored, um, to speak to this and to say like, mm-hmm. yes, that is, that is who I was at one point. Right. Um, that, that, um, those were decisions I made at some point. I'm not mm-hmm. defined by those things. Right. But, um, but I think that that's part of the sisterhood wound too, that, uh, that gets missed mm-hmm. because we want to work through like trusting other people, but what about us being tr- trustworthy? Yeah. What means, kind of, it's almost circling back to what we were talking about in the beginning of like, how are you doing the work to make sure that you're an energetic match for what you want mm-hmm. Those girlfriends, you want a community of women. I mean, you're part of the same community I am. We have yeah. badass, badass women. Yeah, like incredible. And I and I feel like we have this like beautiful, beautiful sacred space of, um, of of safe. It's it's a safe mm-hmm. place. It's it's so yeah. beautiful. But so, but all of the women in that space are women mm-hmm. who have been doing work who are showing up for their work to make sure again, that they are not just coming into the space of like, I expect all of you to be good friends, or I hope all of you are good friends to me, but also really like that radical accountability and responsibility to make sure that we're like, I I make sure I'm a good friend to you before I'm worried about you being a good friend to me. Exactly. And you said it so beautifully earlier, and I just want to circle back to it. Judgment. Judgment is huge, huge. And here's another book. I'm an avid reader. So here's another book for the audience to pick up. It's uh, called How to Hug a Porcupine by Dr. John Lund. And I love this book. It's not the kid's book. So it's by Dr. John Lund. He also has some fabulous videos on YouTube. And I talk about these in my class a lot because we all have porcupine tendencies. 
All right. We have judgment. We have truths. We have assumptions. And we've also, from zero to 18, let's just put that, that number out there, we're taught certain things. And what ends up happening is a lot of times when we're trying to avoid toxic relationships, we parent. We parent ourselves, we parent our partner, we parent all these different things. And so when we're talking about parenting, there's a lot of words that come out when judgment. So I love how you brought this up on because the words you should do this, you need to do this, you ought to know this. These are phrases in judgment that come up a lot with relationships. Well, Sometimes it could be just be like, no, 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 you should be doing this because I want you to feel better. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to do this and you need to read this and you need to go here and you need to go there. These are parent parenting words, parental words that do not have a place in an energetic relationship between a romantic partner or a, a BFF or things like that. But we are indoctrinated into the role of obey. Yes, children need boundaries. But when you take away free will, free free thought. What do we do after 18? Well, we've been taught year after year that we should be doing this. We should be doing that. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. We ought to be doing this. We need, we ought to be doing that. And it just becomes ingrained in our hearts, in our souls, that we share that judgment with the world. And now we're wondering, well, why is this person being a judgy B word or judgy this or judgy that? Because we're taught. We are taught to obey and in the relationship realm, when we go from, you know, curiosity into, you know, flourishing a relationship and we take on the parental stewardship, it does not work. And people are like, why are you being so bossy? Trigger, shadow. Why are you being so judgmental? Another trigger, another shadow. It's not meant to be bossy. It's not meant to be triggering. It's not meant to be judgmental. These are things that we grew up with and we get to unpack these. I'll never forget. There was a man that I met in physical therapy because I was, I was fixing my elbow and he was telling me because he just graduated from his, with a bachelor's of science degree. And I said, are you excited now? You know, you just graduated. Congratulations. And he's like, no, I'm not happy right now. I'm like, honey, why? What what happened? And he says to me, he's like, well, I don't feel happy. I don't feel like I've reached it. I'm honestly, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I'm like, oh, okay. Tell me more, please, if you will. He's like, because I've been told what to do my entire life. Go to school, get straight A's, do the things. And now that he graduated and was on the precipice of doing his job, he did not feel an accomplishment. He did not feel into that energy of saying, now I can go on to the great unknown, you know, it like, uh, it, it reminds me of the song Elsa from, uh, that's saying in Frozen, you know, into the unknown. It's like, oh my gosh, there's that sense of wonder and excitement. He didn't feel that because mm-hmm. throughout his entire life, he tapped into the stewardship of tell me what to do in order to be happy. And now here we are as adults, energetic beings, and now we're in a relationship. Tell me what to do so I could be happy. Tell me what I can like so that I can be happy. And then I feel like there's also the other side of like, tell, like, tell me what to do to make you happy too. And like that people pleasing comes and that's what was like 
also coming through. And I, it, it was interesting too, because I was like, it shows up in business when you start business, when you're like, tell me what to do so that I can be successful. Tell me what to do. And like, you can really easily, um, fall into, I got to just, um, follow in somebody else's footsteps. I need somebody else to tell me what to do so that I can be successful. And I think that the having mentorships, having teachers, having all of those things, it's, in, I mean, it's priceless. Yes. Also, I think that it's so important to be mindful of seeking people who help you discover your way of doing it, your mm-hmm. way of being happy, your way of finding fulfillment, your way of finding success. And, and I think that that's true for every aspect, you know, and that's something yeah. that I really think um, shows up a lot for us in like, or t- mm-hmm. like, again, tell me how to fix something, right? Like when you feel yeah. like something wrong, tell me how to fix my grief. Tell me how to fix mm-hmm. my sadness. Tell me how to fix my, you know, um, dissatisfaction of like where mm-hmm. I am. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's such an invitation to explore. It's such an yeah. invitation to, um, to learn about yourself. And I, it's scary. <laughs> Gosh, Yeah. Because we're not taught to explore. I mean, again, parental parental triggers. It's like, oh my God, I just gave birth to a child and I need to keep them alive. <laughs> How do I keep them alive? It doesn't feel good to let them explore themselves, but we get to. You know, it doesn't feel good to go from generational trauma to being like, I want you to explore what lights you up. It doesn't feel good to naturally do that. But this is this is the wound healing. This is the ability to say, okay, where in my heart, where in my body do I not feel safe? And can I slowly give myself permission to feel safe again? Mm-hmm. And this is, again, the magic of what it means to calibrate to a mentor's energy. Those who do have knowledge because there's, oh my God, I have like a list of people that I want to learn from and calibrate to because there's so much knowledge out there that you can grow with the mourning process, the up-leveling process, the, the wounds, the sister wounds, the money wounds, the generational wounds, the, the trauma, the up-leveling, avoiding toxic relationships. There's so much that you can grow into from a state of absolute wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling that unknown and being like, what do I want to experience? What kind of couple do I want to be this month? Do I want to, do I want to go out for the great hike and be like, okay, this doesn't work for me because my hands are swelling, my feet are sore. Or do I want to go to the spa once they open up again? What do I want to experience? What do I want to thrill me with this life that I have? Half the time, Bill is like my fiance, Bill. He's like, wait, wait, what, what adventure are we going on now? And I'm like, well, we're going to try something new and I would love your honest feedback. And there have been times when it's been an absolute hit and an absolute miss where he's like, okay, let's not do that again. Uh, I think that that's so beautiful because, and that's something, um, I love that you said that because that's something that I, I really try to embody in my work as well is like, you get to explore and let's be real. Life is really fucking hard sometimes. <laughs> like, you God, know, yes, it is so um, activating. It is so beautiful. It is so intense. It is so scary. Sometimes it is, you know, it's fucking downright maddening sometimes, you know, such a, a, like, it is such a gift too, when you see everything as an adventure. And I love that, you know, like that unknown and that, that wonder that you were talking about. I talk a lot about, you know, looking at life as, as, um, as an explorer, mm-hmm. as 
something new. And when you come into it from a non-judgmental place and you come into it, um, like opening yourself to feeling whatever's going to come through mm-hmm. and learning from it and integrating it. And, you know, just like, I think there's like a resilience part of it too. Like a, there is no reality in which I don't make the best, 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 um, that I can with this life, that I don't do yeah. my best, that I don't, that I don't embrace every moment as best mm-hmm. as I can. You know, and I think that that's something, yeah. that's something I've been looking at through 20, well, throughout 2020 and into 2020, yeah. as well as, you know, um, am I really embracing moments as much as I want to? Am I really mm-hmm. showing up for myself? And I think that, you know, for me personally, there was a time in my life, and I talk a lot about my struggles through anxiety, depression, sexual abuse. Like, um, and, uh, there was a time where I did not want to be here. And there was a time where I almost decided not to be here. And, um, and I made a declaration to the universe at 20 years old that I was not going to give up and that I was going to, um, yeah, that I was, that I was here for myself and I was here regardless of what life was going to throw me. Preach, take us to church. (laughs) You know, and I was like, I am going to embrace all of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, it almost felt like a rebirth and it felt like a second chance because since then, you know, it's, it hasn't been sunshine and rainbows. My relationships haven't been sunshine and rainbows. I'm not sunshine and rainbows. I am (laughs) shadow queen, you know? Um, and you know, but it's, it has been this place of, and I think it's because I did step into without really knowing it at that moment, Mm -hmm. I stepped into like, here we go. You know, like I'm going to explore and I'm going to open myself up to whatever shows up. Um, Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been perfect. And, but this is yeah. really where I, I love to teach my clients that is like, you can feel afraid. You can feel your grief. You can feel yeah. your triggers. You can feel all of those things. But when you pause, and I love the word that you use, recalibrate, like you can, you can, you can pause and you can, like there's an alchemy that happens in that pause. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. can continue to show up intentionally. When we're not pausing and we're not reflecting, we are very reactive, which means that we act. Yeah very unintentionally. We act out very unconsciously. We say things we don't want to say. We do things we don't want to do. We make decisions that aren't, um, you know, things that serve us. I mean, I think, I, I think, you know, even those moments, like I've said this a lot where, um, our intent, our intuition is not only meant to just lead us to the fluffy, good things in life, like manifesting cars, and money and, you know, good relationships and a sexy man, right? Like our, our intuition is also going to lead us right to the fire and our, our is also going to lead us right to, um, right to the shadow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that we can learn so that we can face ourselves so that we, we have choice in that moment. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. There I I love everything you just said. Oh my gosh, we could like jam on this for like hours, but it's true. You know what Anna said? There's the love of reason, the love of season, the love that uplifts you, nourishes you. There's a love that changes you and you get to make that decision. You get to make the decision. I am all in, but all in does not look like fluff and unicorns and rainbows. I love, and I mean love when I am triggered and I'm like, ooh, area of shadow that I can embrace and say, hello, Bill knows that I have anger issues. And there have been times when, because I'm Latin, I'm like, what, what did you just say? 
and I'll throw my flip-flop and be like, ooh, okay, this might be an area where I can energetically work on. Hmm, yeah. But <laughs> the fun thing is being like, okay, I am safe in my area where I'm like, okay, can I express it without fear? And the answer is yes. When you are in a situation, when you've decided to go all in, you're saying to yourself, I am going all in because I feel safe enough to express it. Even if I can't express it to my partner at this time, because I don't know how to, without fearing lo the loss of that partner, I'm giving myself permission to up-level myself, right. calibrating to people that will hold space for me. And that's one of Bill's favorite phrases now to say with me. He's like, do I need to hold space for you or do we need to fix? And I'm like, no, just hold space. Because that's our natural inclination is I see a problem. I want to fix it. Yes. Yes. Especially for those who are in their masculine energy of doing, doing, doing. And men tend to be very masculine in their energy versus their receiving energy. So masculine energy, for those that don't know, we have the dark, the light uh, on both sides, right? So in, in a mini nutshell, because there's so much more to it, but just in a mini nutshell, masculine energy is really, really focused on the doing. I see a problem, I find the solution. Feminine energy is more on the receiving end. And, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but for those who are new to the podcast, um, feminine energy is receiving energy. How can I open myself up to receive in abundance three times three? It doesn't matter. There's so much. But when we get to a point when we see someone upset and we want to fix it, are we denying them the ability to be in that emotion? It's sometimes we just need to be in the emotion, whether it's anger, frustration, tears, happiness, sadness, all, all these dark, not dark, all these emotions, all these yeah. things that come up, giving ourselves permission to feel it and not try to fix it is where we can tap into our own shadow and be like, where was I not allowed to express that I was frustrated? As a child, I wasn't allowed to express anger. Anger equaled exclusion. Anger equaled, if you're angry, go to your room and come back when your attitude is better. Yeah. Like, well, when does it feel safe to express anger? With that, anger is my taboo emotion. Anger is the emotion that, um, same. It was like if I expressed anger, it was um, like on my on my mother's side. It was if I expressed anger, I was talking back, which meant that I was being disrespectful, which meant that there were consequences. On my dad's side, my I, my dad has struggled with addiction. He's been sober for quite some time now, but um, he kind of just cut the drugs out, didn't really do the inner work, but, um, but he, he had explosive anger. So, you know, uh, like agitated, especially with the specific drugs he was doing a lot of like stimulants. So like, you know, dropping things and having like explosive anger. And so, you know, this lesson on my, on my mother's side of like, it's not safe to express anger. Um, I have to be quiet. I have to swallow my, my anger. Um, and then on my dad's side, it was, you know, uh, anger is toxic. Anger is bad. Like, I don't want to be like that. Um, right. you know, like I always kind of looked at it like, Ooh, like it was cringe. So what ended up happening was me not being someone who, you know, I would kind of swallow my anger, like lava, <laughs> you know, yes. It and it would cause me to act out in other ways. It would cause me to um, be passive aggressive. It would cause me to um, like foster resentment. And what has also been interesting as I've been working on, you know, finding my my safety within myself, not external, right? Because I think yeah. it's for me, it's really like regardless of who's on the other end, I'm not mm -hmm. responsible for how they receive my truth. Yeah. Um, so just pausing 
you know, doing what I need to do to figure out how can I communicate this um, in a way that I want to communicate. Um, yeah. You know, I, I did go to the opposite end where I'd like kind of lash out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we do. We do. The more we repress, the more we're like, F that. <laughs> let me just let it all out. And then it's like goddess Pele, you know, the volcano goddess in Hawaii, where it's like she's death and and rebirth. You know, there, there's so much, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. we get to make room for that. Exactly. Yeah. And what I've noticed now too, and this is something that I'm very much moving through in my current relationship is, um, is when I see anger being expressed, mm-hmm. um, outwardly or like, um, like my boyfriend, that's the thing that's like his thing too. So it's interesting. I, we both have the same thing that we work on, like our taboo emotions. Like yeah. He's working to like pause and like kind of, um, express it more intentionally where I'm working yeah. allowing myself to express it. But with this, you know, the, the universe works so synchronistically like that. Right? <laughs> um, but, totally. so, but so I've noticed for me, when I see him express anger, even if it's like, you know, I mean, he's not breaking things like, you know, it's not like a, a bad situation, obviously, but like, um, but when he expressed anger, there's a, a judgment that comes into my mind. Mm. Of, oh, you know, I've seen this before I need to run. Um, it's, it's, it's a, like a trauma response. And so I've really been working on communicating to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to stifle your process. Like I'm not here yeah. to you how to express something you need to be you. And like, you, yeah, this is your process. I just also want to tell you that this is what's going on for me. So if you're you know, if you're struggling with something and there's something that is, you know, there's anger coming up for you and you see me kind of contract, this is why. And this, I'm working on my own process in being able to hold that space and being able to not feel like I need to like walk away or whatever. And so it's been, you know, it's been such a process in, in, this is where I'm really able to see where in the past, so many issues came up yeah. relationships because I wasn't able to um, hold space for that specific emotion. And I think mm-hmm. that, like rage and anger is sacred. Like it is such yeah. a powerful, powerful energy. And it was yeah. something that I feared so much within myself because of these like conflicting things. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, by bringing awareness into myself and this is, you know, I'm giving this as an example for other people to do the yeah. same, whether it's anger, it's anything else um, mm-hmm. to pause and really ask like, okay, why am I being triggered by this? Like, where does this come from? You know, similar to what I was saying before. And um, yeah, just like really being able to like hold space for that. And then the other thing that I wanted to comment on too, that you said so beautifully was um, I lost it. <laughs> okay. It, it'll, if it's meant to come back, it'll come back. I, I hear you. I hear you. I see it. I see it percolating up in the air. And that's, this is so 100% on board because here's the thing that we associate with anger. You know, there's the emotion and then the behavior. All right. We've seen growing up for those who've grown up with some interesting uh, stories, we've seen behavioral anger. You know, we've seen people lash out and take it out on other people, you know, and then we correlate the behavior to the emotion, meaning that if they behave this way, if they are, if they're angry, if they're mad, if they're cursing and stuff, that means that it's quote unquote bad. And it's like the emotions demand to be held, to be felt. 
The behaviors, on the other hand, can be controlled. So for example, there was a great show on Netflix right now, if you guys have access to it, called The History of Cursing, which is so funny. So funny. But there are times, and can I curse on this podcast? Okay. So for example, let's say you stub your toe, you know, they were talking about this. Let's say you stub your toe and you're like, "Mm, mm, I'm going to hold it in and not say it. And let's say you do the same scenario. You stub your toe and you're like, fuck, what feels better? Fuck. Fuck. Oh my gosh. This is so fucking frustrating. What is going on? There's a way to express and there's a way to not insult. You know, when you're in the situation, you're like, I'm fucking angry right now. You're not saying to the other person, you're not insulting the other person. You're expressing your emotions. You're expressing your anger. And sometimes that comes with an expletive or two. In my case, it comes out in languages. And other times I'm like, ah, when we repress it, well, when we're holding it in and you feel that rage, in your heart, but your jaw is like locked down tighter than a gopher's butt, then there's no freaking way that that's coming out. We're internalizing it. When you internalize anger, then all it is is like that, that straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. And then everything is going to pour out of you. So instead of percolating on anger for four plus hours with your partner who just pissed you off on not doing the dishes again, Give yourself permission being like, I don't want to be this person. So right now I'm going to give myself permission to go in the car and express away. And then maybe you come back or maybe you're in the position to be like, Hey, this is not cool with me. I want to talk to you about this, but giving yourself that outlet is a healthy thing that we're not taught because growing up, we see anger as (gasps) watch out, avoid, don't do it. It's bad. When did we ever label anger as bad? Right. And I think too, there's also tying into some of the generational things is mm-hmm. women didn't express anger. Like, you know, women weren't, weren't mm-hmm. women just kept quiet and, you know, that fed into like that you need to like fit the mold or you don't really survive, <laughs> you know? And then too, like the, the thing came back, um, it was about not fixing. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that is something that is something that like, truthfully, like I've really, like really moved through, uh, in, in my life in general, I play the, the mediator, I play the healer, the fixer in my family, or I did, let me rephrase that I did. Um, and then I notice how it really wants to show up. So when my boyfriend is feeling anger or when he is feeling stressed, um, and I'm also a mentor. So, and like a coach, you know, so it's hard to like shift out of that. Um, mm-hmm. what you said, was so powerful because, and this is something that I, I practice myself. It's something that I teach my clients is, you know, communicate. If you want somebody to just mm-hmm. space for you, just like I say to clients, like if they're just going through a hard time and it's not really like a solution oriented quote unquote, like session, and it's just kind yeah. of talking about what's on their hearts. Yeah. And I ask, you know, if something comes through that I think will be helpful and I feel intuitively guided to say it, like, I'll ask them permission. And I think sometimes like we forget how um, violating it can be to somebody's process when we jump in trying to be like, well, here, this is what I would do. And this is how you should fix it. Like a lot of times we just need to feel and we just need to be heard. Mm -hmm. and We just need to um, be, we just need to be in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to circle back to that because 
there's so much here that people respond. People respond in a way that feels good for us and it might not feel good for the other person. And we might unintentionally trigger and it was not our intent to trigger. And we have to hold space for the fact that we ask permission first. Can we share a message with you? And it's okay if the other person says, no, I'm not ready to receive a message from you. I'm too triggered right now. And I'm not open to receiving. And that's okay. And no, when it comes to your partner, when you're trying to share a situation and they're not ready, does not equal rejection. And no means that they're honoring their energy and you're honoring your energy and being like, okay, I'm ready now. Or I'm not ready right now. And if they're not ready right now and you are desperately trying to say it, give yourself permission to write it all in a journal, being like, this is what I'm feeling right here, right now. This, And if you're not a journal person, you know, get a voice app, you know, and record it on the voice app, go for a walk. I did that on the way one time when Bill pissed me off something fierce. And I was like, okay, I'm putting my headphones on and I'm just saying everything that I want to say that he's not ready to hear in a voice app, giving myself that physical action to get it out. And that is huge to give yourself permission to feel into the emotion, to express the emotion. And then maybe you can come back to it later and talk and heal and do all these different things. There's so much there that neither Anna or I are trying to tell you how to be, but these are the things that have worked for us and what have up leveled us that might up level you guys at the same time. Yeah, I love that. And I, I wanted, uh, I want to end this podcast with you and, and, and I like talking about a little bit of, um, just like more suggestions on what people can do. So I love that you brought that up. I love the idea of, um, you know, yeah, like really needing to get something off your chest, but knowing that the other person is not in the space to receive it, whether it's because you're angry, it's because you want to fix something, or it's because you don't want to forget suggestions that you have or whatever, not, um, suppressing the energy that needs to come through because emotions are just energy. They're just energies in motion. Right. So it's really like, I think honor that. And I love the idea of that, of like, okay, you know what, like what I say, what I have to say right now is not going to serve the relationship or again, I'm not in the place to receive it. So yeah, let me go for a walk. Let me go sit in my car. Let me record something and just get it off my chest. Mm -hmm. And having all of that, you know, it's like a purge, right? Like once you yeah. all of that, you create space for, um, a conversation that needs to happen, right? Like sometimes we off or triggered and yeah, like what I am thinking and feeling in this moment is like, not something that I want to say to my, mm-hmm. partner, right. So it's something that like, I still want to honor because it's triggering all kinds of stuff in me and there's all this yeah. stuff relating. So like, I need to get it out because mm-hmm. pushing it down is not, is not mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. Uh, um, an exercise that you can do for anger, since we're, we're ending on the, the anger mode, because anger is the like super powerful driving force, especially like Anna said, with generational uh, anger, where it was seen as frowned upon as an anger means a emotionally reactive woman versus a emotionally charged woman. Let's take it just to the feminine. Anger needs a physical release. Just as if you were in your masculine mode, Uh, an exercise for anger is to release it and bless it. Release can look in many, many types of ways. You can go to your car and scream, what the fuck? 
<laughs> you can go out. I've started doing kickboxing. So I'm like, whoop, whoop, whoop. you know, giving myself a physical release. If that is too jarring for you and you need a more introspection, you can sit down in meditation. You can give yourself permission to auto write whatever comes through, visualize, you know, the things that you want. Put mind to paper and draw the emotion. Some people feel things, whether you are visual, auditory, kinesthetic, however it works for you, giving your physical body an emotional release to physically feel into the anger. It doesn't have to be jarring like kickboxing. It can be very, very tender, but giving yourself that release as opposed to internalizing it will shift the vibrational energy of anger. So that's just an exercise, releasing and blessing, being aware of where you are in order to express it to a partner, not coming from reactive energy, but from, you know, driven energy and boundaries. Boundaries. Yes. Huge. I think, um, yeah, like I, I know I really, like I said, anger was my taboo emotion. I can function with like anxiety through the roof. I was diagnosed with like five anxiety disorders when I was like 20. So like for me, like my anxious state, even though I don't, I don't operate in that space anymore. When I do find myself in that space, I'm like, Oh, this is familiar. But like, anger was that emotion that took me a really long time to be like, Oh, like, how do I operate? Like driving a new car, you know, like I was like, yeah. oh, how, do I, how do I do this? Right. Yeah. Um, and like a stick shift. Cause I don't know how to drive a stick shift. So that was going to be a, <laughs> the analogy in my head, but um, but yeah, and I, I love that you said, you know, if you're not there yet, like getting in your car screaming, fuck, like I love, I love curse words. Anybody who knows me, I'm like potty, <laughs> potty mouth poly, poly, but, um, but you know, for me getting in my car and I would get in my car with the intention to like, when I get on the freeway, I'm going to scream it. And like, I couldn't, like, I could not get yeah. in that place. So like mm-hmm. something too, like, like you said, journaling, I would write like fuck you letters. I would write anger, anger letters. Like I found that like getting myself, um, to yeah. out everything I would say, I almost felt like mm-hmm. there was fire coming from the paper. Cause I was writing. So yeah. <laughs> it felt good. It was so helpful for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, like burning things after I wrote, oh. them. like, I think that like, yeah, especially because like five, uh, anger is such a, a fiery, uh, emotion, mm-hmm. like the, um, the element that fire that anger is associated with in mm-hmm. fire. So yeah. um, it's so powerful at least to like, and I think that's a good way to, to release it too. Sometimes yes. you watch it burn. And I think too, this is not about fixing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is about, this is about honoring. This is about tapping into it because we have a tendency, right. When we're uncomfortable to spiritually bypass or to avoid it. And so I just want to kind of emphasize to people that this isn't, this isn't, you know, these exercises are for you to tap in and to actually honor and to be with this energy and to like Mm -hmm. express it and celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly. Not to fix what you're feeling because the only way to there's, you know, I always, I say like, there's a difference between healing something and fixing something. Yes. Ooh, so much. And just to circle up with that, um, Archangel Michael guardian of fire is a fighter angel. Mm -hmm. So you can tap into this energy and have no remorse into saying right now I am expressing the anger. I'm giving myself permission. That's why rage rooms are all the rage right now. You know, it's like people are giving themselves permission to in a healthy, nonviolent manner to just 
destroy things that no longer serve them. I went to a rage room in, in Los Angeles and broke entire, an entire toilet. And like there were like kid toys and like all these random things. And it was honestly one of the best experiences of my life. Cause I was like, at first I was, <laughs> like, I was giggling, you know what I mean? Cause I was like, yeah. oh, you know, and then all of a sudden I was like, ah, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt so good. And like a lot of them, they allow you to pick your music too. So like you can choose what music like taps you into, you know, to the anger. Yeah. Well, yeah I had like metal playing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was it feels so good. And that's the other thing, you know, there's, fabulous music out there that you can listen to on your headphones. I forgot who the artist was, but it's that song that goes, fuck you, fuck you very, very much. And it's just hilarious. You can giggle, you can laugh, you can play with the anger. It doesn't have to be seen as a taboo anymore. So when you're tapping into your relationship energy and you're pissed, and you don't want to take it out on people and you don't want to have it be the explosive force, then you can channel it. You can channel it. You can grow with it. You can express it, release it and bless it. Yeah. And I hope that taps into even more play for you because when we're making room for the expression of that energy, guess what? You have more room for other things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful point. We can tend to just like, want to avoid it. Cause we're like, oh, I don't have time for this. I want to focus on the good things. But like when we actually do address it, we, we clear that space for more of what we want and we're never going to have no discomfort, no anger, no triggers, no anything like in life in the next life. And, you know, on whatever planet in any realm we ever find ourselves in, like, <laughs> I think it's, it's just part of, it's not just, it's not just like a human thing. You yeah. Know? at a soul level, we, we need these things, you know, 100%, you know, yeah. Anger. I definitely think the soul needs to express anger. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I tap into a lot with my students. And so it's, it's, it's amazing. The, the shifting that I see and how it affects future generations. You know, one of my clients, she was tapping into anger that she wasn't usually into and, She's now doing burn and release letters for her nephews who are also extremely angry. And one of them, she, she sent me a message saying like, my nephew just wrote me saying, auntie, this works, this works. I'm not pissed anymore. And it's like, yes. So cool. So awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, Can you tell us where they are? Where Okay. Words. (laughs) Can you tell us where we can find you and you know, everything that you offer? What, what are you currently offering? Oh, you're the best. Um, my group is, um, on Facebook is called the alchemy of relationships where we're tapping into the mind, body, and spirit. So you are welcome to follow me there and to calibrate to the energy. And the next program that I'm offering is actually in February and it is called quantum essence, where it is a 12 week program that is really, really tapping in more to what we're doing. Month one is that trauma that releasing of the trauma, tapping into that beautiful energy, giving ourselves permission to make room for what we want to release the bless. And again, it's just even more. So again, there's 12 weeks of that. And month one is all about not holding on to judgment and giving ourselves permission. So quantum essence is the program that'll take place in February. And I would love to have you there. If you are feeling connected to the energy that we're talking about, boom, there you go, darlings. 
Yes. Make sure to follow Mary. I've been loving all of your, your truths, like your daily truths and just like, <laughs> I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like I was just getting more and more excited for this conversation. I feel like we tapped on so many different topics here, but like just everything is connected because it really, I mean, the way that we ha- like the relationship that we have with ourselves and the relationship with other people, it impacts all aspects of our lives. And so, so much. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you coming. Oh, I'm so thank you. The time to have this conversation with me and I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun and we can jam on this, like till the cows come home. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely can. Uh, Love you guys. Thank you so much for sharing energy with us today. And remember that you're not alone. Yeah, definitely not alone.